0: Hi, Craig here from The Bachelor Masters Podcast. Do you watch The Bachelor shows ironically, like we do? Do you think critically about the socio-political ramifications of what occurs in the shows, like we do? If so, we're the podcast for you. We, The Bachelor Masters, combine deep dives into the show's problems with jokes and even some sound effects Uh to deliver what we think is a well-rounded podcast you'll enjoy after every episode. So give us a listen, as ironically as you want, on your favorite podcast app that's the bachelor
1: masters a bridge burner podcast Hey listeners, Rob here. Just wanted to let you know that this will be the final episode of our pre-Marvel series, and with that, Bill and I would like to celebrate. We have some big news coming in some bonus episodes in the next few weeks, so pay attention to our socials at Bill and Robs. Follow Bill. Follow Rob. Do everything you need to do because you are not going to want to miss this message. Very, very exciting stuff coming down the pike. And thank you for joining us for all of these episodes. It's only getting better, I promise.
0: Welcome to Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure. I'm Bill Tilly,
1: And I am Rob Schulte. Back at it again with the white vans. Remember that? Damn Daniel. Am I the only one? Bill, it's our final episode of our Marvel Spectacular. Uh, what, what are we calling this? MCU Legends? Isn't that correct?
0: I think we've called it a lot of things over the course of this run. It'll probably be up to the uh, viewers and audience to pick one and remind us later when we have our convention someday down the yeah. road that, hey, remember when you did your series and it was called this and we're going to be like all the other stars and go, no, nah, man, I don't know what you're talking about. It's all blur. Get a life. We Yeah, we were calling it the groovy Marvel Universe, and that's still what kind of sticks in my head, even though this goes well past the 70s at this point. But it is pretty groovy.
1: I think in the planning stages, it was groovy. Mm-hmm. And then once we realized we did one seventies Marvel movie, we were like, well, maybe it's... Uh... But regardless, it's everything pre-Iron Man. Yes. Not everything. Everything we've covered is pre-Iron Man, because you never know, we might go truly groovy in another Marvel series where we only do 70s. Marvel pro- uh, projects.
0: I hope we do that at some point because we didn't really get to all the fun movies that are out there for
1: pre-MCU, and
0: I am more than happy to sit down and talk about any of them at any time.
1: It is really difficult, but I think to bring we should bring in our guest because he'll probably have a lot to say about this because he's covered some of the groovy universe himself. You remember this person from countless other... Bill and Rob's episodes, the the episodes when Bill was out on his honeymoon, where, oh, what did we watch, Passenger 57, or uh, Baywatch Nights, season one, episode one, it's Joe Young. Hey, Joe.
2: Hey, guys. How are
1: you? Welcome back. I am having a terrific year.
2: It's good to be back. You know, I'd like to point out that uh, you could almost count this as part of the groovy, universe because there was that resurgence of the 70s and the 90s
1: that's true that is very true i remember specifically an article in my 90s yearbook about the 70s fashion coming back okay crickets on that one
0: i'm sorry i was locked into a a sense memory of that fashion having lived through it and it kind of shut me down there for a second rob so (laughs) i had to reboot my systems (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, I remember specifically like the cool kid in school had a he had a, an afro and he had uh, bell bottoms that he had made himself by like cutting the seams of the jeans and just sewing mo- more material in there.
1: I think there was a cool kid in my school who did that and he cut like his heart boxers into oh, his bell bottoms. Nice. I wish you would have washed them first. Anyway, (laughs) Bill, did you have bell bottoms? Did you make them yourself? No, no, I never had
0: bell bottoms. Uh, I was able to gracefully skip that as the son of a truck driver, but I Uh did have plenty of uh, of tank tops and red denim slacks that I got to wear, and I did have a (laughs) denim leisure suit that I have in a grade school picture.
2: Uh Whoa, I'm so jealous.
0: I, I don't remember if I had the chest hair then. I know I had too much of it in high school, so. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Could go either well,
1: way. Perfect, perfect uh, main cast star of today's episode to uh-huh. fit right in you, with you oh, with yeah. that chest hair.
0: Yep, I got some. That's aspirational chest hair. I got no problem with that.
1: Joe, in your groovy Marvel world of piloting error... You guys had covered something similar to today's episode, but that was the Doctor Strange made-for-tv movie that ended up, you know, retroactively being a made-for-tv movie, but it was supposed to be the pilot of a Doctor Strange show, right?
2: Yes, yeah. It's an absolute blast. It's uh it's about 15 minutes of interesting material and then uh an hour and 15 minutes of filler.
1: Now, did you find I, I've never seen it. I know you have, Bill, but did you find it to be at all comic book related? Because when we watched the Captain America, Reb Brown movie, it felt kind of comic booky, but very much was the suit and tie business owner villain type thing.
2: Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it has the uh, Morgana and... Uh, or M- Morgan Le Fay? Morgan Lefay, you're right, Joe. And then, uh, and then, like the the astral plane demons, but it doesn't it doesn't feel like that comic book booky. Otherwise,
0: I I agree with Joe. It feels those fifteen minutes are the comic book, and even that is a stretch because Doctor Strange was a real hallucinogenic love story to LSD at best, yeah. even in the comic books, and I didn't really lean into that. And in it's TV movie of the week. It's basically A lot of General Hospital and very little (laughs) Doctor Strange, but it had an actor in Peter Hooten that had the perfect look for it. What a waste. Man, he really did. He did. He had prime mustache for Doctor Strange and the 70s. And it's just that, like you said, Rob, it fell into that poor trap of we can't afford Dormammu. So here is businessman evil number two, and he's going to be your (laughs) villain.
2: (laughs) Aren't those the real villains, though?
0: It's true. It's very true. Somebody's got to finance those units that uh, go out and do all those nefarious deeds. Those armies of ninjas and volcanoes don't pay for themselves.
2: Let's just be (laughs) clear about that. Yeah, if we've learned one thing from uh, Austin Powers, (laughs) it's that you've got to diversify your business portfolio if you're going to run an evil empire.
0: Ironic. (laughs) Today, we watched the 1998 telefilm nick fury agent of shield starring david hasselhoff this is the first on-screen rendition of nick fury in any form that we've ever seen so this is his introduction to the people through the television and this is a big time spy movie where nick and the forces of shield go up against the evil of hydra and that's about all you need to know regarding this movie yeah
1: everything else takes care of itself but in case anyone wanted to know more i will be reading the back of the vhs box here straight from 1998 although this probably came out on vhs in 99 same year's fight club we're all probably sitting at blockbuster going fight club or nick fury i don't know uh, probably
0: confusing <laughs> the guy at the counter going i'm sorry you it to pre-order what now
1: <laughs> uh here we go brace yourself for nick fury's action-packed adventure Baywatch icon David Hasselhoff stars as the hard-boiled, cigar-chomping director of S.H.I.E.L.D., Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division, an ultra-secret counter-terrorism strike force. Fury is called upon when his latest nemesis, the sexy, sinister Viper, hatches a plan to annihilate all of Manhattan. Armed with a stockpile of high-tech weapons... Fury is the city's only hope in this full-length debut of this Marvel Comics hero. You know, Joe. Last episode, Bill and I had watched Electra, and we we noticed in these late '90s, early 2000s, and hey, it probably happened in other areas, eras as well. Uh, very much wanted to let you know who is sexy. Oh in yeah, in their the descriptions.
2: It's- they, they had to. How would you know otherwise? How would yeah. you know who to look up on uh, Proto IMDb and find their entire filmography? Who is sexy? I must know who's sexy in this movie. This was before Mr. Skin. Yeah. <laughs> He's still around. Probably
0: he's probably financed by Amazon or somebody at this point. But <laughs> I,
2: I knew the guy I once
1: worked with. The guy who wrote the Mister Skin memoir, like with you know how there's always like the the with this person author. Wow. Who who boy who boy The
0: power behind the power behind Mister Skin. This is yeah. a documentary
1: that is just waiting to happen. Do you guys remember that movie Knocked Up and how like Mr. Skin was like a through line for that movie? Yes. And, like, how I, dated that is now.
2: I weirdly think about that every once in a while. Because it's such a it's such a stupid uh, plot device where they're like, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna build a website where uh, we categor- ca- uh, catalog every nude scene and then they have they've never bothered to like See if anyone else has done that. and have no idea Mr. Mister Mr. Skin exists.
1: Oh, God. Well, speaking of Mr. Skin, this movie is uh, starring David
2: Hasselhoff himself. Mr. Skin himself.
1: Bill, you want to run through this cast and
0: crew for me? Oh, more than anything, because uh, I would like to go back and find some of the people and national inquirers of the era and just, there's got to be some Nick Fury stuff in there that would be gold, so... <laughs> Ooh! Starting out as our hero, Nick Fury, we do have the incomparable David Hasselhoff. He needs no introduction, especially if you live in Germany. He's been on your wall, he's been <laughs> on your ground. You've probably got nine of his albums in your house right now. Uh, we also have Lisa Rinna, who I'm sure Rob knows that name <laughs> from <very> his <laughs> with. other oh. hit podcast Vanderpump Robs, and where he plays in the Beverly Hills Housewife sandbox. She plays contessa valentina de la fontaine quite a name if you can wrap your tongue around it in the words of nick fury we also have sandra hess as andrea von strucker also viper is her code name in this she is the evil daughter of baron von strucker nick fury's old nemesis who we find is a popsicle beginning of this movie and (laughs) we have gary chalk as timothy dugan and the incomparable ron canada as gabriel jones
1: A stacked cast. How could this be less than a perfect movie? I got to say, you're right. Lisa Rinna, always uh, a bit of a fire starter on Beverly Hills Housewives. I don't even watch a lot of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, but knowing that all of that stuff creeps into all of the Bravo-verse it's amazing to see her in anything that's not a reality TV show or a Depends commercial.
0: It's almost unsettling because when she's acting in this movie, if you've seen her in the Housewife show, her acting seems like a normal person. And her Housewives yeah. persona, which is supposed to be
1: her real life persona, is somewhat unhinged. <sighs> a rich Beverly Hills person unhinged? I know. I never. Shocking. So, Joe, we'll start with you here. What is your relationship to Nick Fury? Did, did you read the comics? Do you have any knowledge of like S.H.I.E.L.D. or Nick Fury going into this?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was a, I was a big comics person growing up. Um, Marvel up until I was probably 13 or 14 was all I read. And then after that, <clears throat> got very into DC, specifically Vertigo. But
1: uh, oh yeah,
2: swamp thing number one all time.
1: Uh, oh, that Alan Moore swamp thing is wild.
2: It's the best ever.
1: When he pulls a sweet potato out of his chest. Oh, amazing! Oh my God,
2: absolutely incredible. That's another like big acid trip ode. The entirety oh, yeah. of Moore's. You have uh, to
1: flip the book around in your hands. Mm-hmm. And he grows his
0: own hallucinogenics on his body.
1: Oh yeah, because it's a hallucinogenic sweet potato.
0: Yeah, the Abby Arcane can tell you all about that. She knows how that stuff works.
1: What about you, Bill? What's your relationship to Mr. Fury?
0: Uh, I can lead off by showing you guys this. It's my homemade S.H.I.E.L.D. identification card for you viewers at home that you can't see. Whoa. Nice. I love S.H.I.E.L.D. I love Nick Fury. I would read in the comics a lot. I had known Nick Fury from his Howling Commando days, which his original comic origin is he was a soldier in world war ii new captain america back then and actually he's supposed to be a super soldier he gets something called the infinity formula which slows his aging so that allowed him Uh, to show up later in the marvel universe but i love that because it was james bond meets superheroes i love the idea of shield that there was this secret organization of humans who are pretty much just normal people with incredible skills trying to handle this wild world of superheroes they had great tech they had a flying aircraft carrier for pete's sake yeah what's not to love about this so i am very well steeped in and i had the entire run of the 90s nick fury uh all the flips and flops over the years that they've done Uh, i just i loved it i think it's it's a great character and it's just a great concept to stick in a superhero world so i am deep in for shield
1: oh yeah me i um i didn't really know anything about nick fury Um, the only comics I pretty much read were X-Men and Spawn. And I think I really only had Spawn. I'm not sure how much of Spawn I actually read (laughs) in my youth. Uh, And then if I'm going to be even more honest, you know, it's all about honesty here, Bill, in the final episode of our MCU Legends series. Uh, I I think I collected comics and read about half of them. I I would probably be much more... uh, more educated if I would have done more than look at the pictures in my youth, but goddamn that X Men cartoon!
2: I loved it. Oh, amazing! Still holds up.
1: So yeah, I didn't really know Nick Fury until you know, like Sam Jackson, I guess. And then it became more exciting because they'd actually put thought into these movies in in a grand scale.
2: Right. Not
1: that this movie isn't grand, it's just, it wouldn't have been a blip on my radar. I don't even remember this coming out, and I would have been the prime age to want to watch this. This would have been like my 8th or ninth grade year. Like, I would have loved this. <laughs> <laughs> Joe,
0: when was the first time that you saw this movie? Was it for this show?
2: It was for this show. I okay. I weirdly had never seen it. I remember... I like, I like have an inkling that I had uh, seen a commercial for it at some point, but I don't remember ever watching it. The Sam Jackson version is badass, but this is like, this is like, it's like a comic book. It's like cheesy. It's full of quips. I I think I might prefer this one. It's,
1: you know, we've all said it, you know, we're kind of marveled out, right? They're still fun. We're going to go see them. But, like, we've seen so much. And, like, so many Marvel movies are the same. Even though the stories are so fun, they're, like, they're following the same sort of formulas they've done and visual effects and things like that. So we haven't gotten a Nick Fury film. We've gotten him assembling the team and coming in for his cameo or having the moment. And we get so much from so little with Sam Jackson as Nick Fury that I think he does an awesome job for the handful of minutes he's in each film. But I think it's tainted by the grandiosity of Disney's the Marvel Cinematic Universe whereas this standalone piece about a character named Nick Fury is like a circus it's like why is this guy in a mine at the beginning of this hitting a sledgehammer against the wall chomping on a unlit cigar like who the hell is this like what? (laughs)
0: What is he mining? He's yeah. chopping away the supporting wall. What are you doing? Who does he think he is? And he's been hitting that spot for five years.
2: What's up with that? Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I told Rob. He's, he's literally just breaking the retaining wall.
1: So I guess in that, this Nick Fury intrigues me, but he is very one- level right right? like this is him it ain't changing there's not much nuance whereas in mcu we at least get like some peaks and troughs i guess
0: yeah that's really interesting because your take on it mirrors a lot about what i felt when i saw sam jackson as, as nick fury of course he's a badass he's different from the comic but as they went along my hope from the first time i saw it Sam Jackson's Nick Fury was, oh, he's going to be our through line through all of this. He's the human element. S.H.I.E.L.D. will be a background thing. They're really cool. They can play little parts here and there. He can kind of be the overarching, like the M from James Bond, in a sense. And
1: oh yeah and we yeah. don't
0: get that. And that's my big problem. It's not that he's different. It's that they don't really do it. Other than his scene in, uh, in uh, Age of Ultron, where he shows up with the helicarrier, which is really cool. He doesn't get to do a lot, and at least with Hasselhoff's Nick Fury, you get Nick fury in for the whole 90 minutes of this telefilm. There is no stopping him there. So if you could have crossed the elements of how much you get with, and brought that over and give us a lot more of that in the MCU, I'd have been a lot happier with what we got out of Sam Jackson.
1: Yeah, and not only do we get a whole lot of Hoff, we get robot hoff. Is that not one of the
0: most horrifying things you've ever seen? When they're assembling that life (laughs) model decoy,
2: it is disturbing. Yeah, it's very off off putting. Did not care for that.
0: No, and it's and it's creepy (laughs) in the sense of the scene where they're putting it together. Is it's it's really good. Like it's not just a a mannequin that's been from a store at Macy's that they've chopped up and. And just got close-ups of the inside of VCR guts, you know, with the panel open. It's the skin is wet. They <laughs> shove stuff up his nose and in his ears, and he's got little you those little plugs that you <laughs> can't get off your computer to run the circuit boards. <laughs> but it all works. It looks really creepy and weird.
1: Yeah. It's almost if it's Hasselhoff with wires glued to it. It's
0: like Peter Gammon's used to look <laughs> when they would put him on screen at ESPN ten years ago. Doing baseball, it's like <laughs> my God, is that just a is that the crypt keeper puppet or is he still alive? <laughs> <laughs> it's that
2: level of creep. Oh boy, I forgot about
1: that. Oh man, speaking of crypt keeper, I've been you know we're recording this around Halloween time, and boy, I've been hitting that tales from the crypt. Uh, watched an episode the other day where Tim Curry played three different roles. It was uncomfortable, <laughs> but I loved it
2: anyway. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta check that out. It's been a long time since I've seen uh, Tales from the, the Crypt. It scared the ever-loving shit out of me as a kid.
1: You gotta go. You gotta check it out. I got them all on Plex, man. All right, checking them out. But not during this recording. Um, yeah, not yet. Bill, what are some of the major points of this movie that we must make sure the audience knows?
0: I think just the major points that you need to know about this movie is this is a spy movie. It's not so much a comic book movie although it is comic booky it really is a spy movie and it's taken from a character who is a super spy in there and i think they do themselves a favor by leaning into that really well as best they can
1: some bad guys bad guy villains bad woman villains uh hijacks and bombs it's a it's during that era of like oh no there's more than just explosion bombs you can poison people with bombs, too. And they point the bombs at Manhattan directly at the Twin Towers. Directly at the postcard. And we get that shot about five times in the movie.
0: Yeah. And isn't it fun when the idea of a mad virus raging through the world was a quaint idea? Just something that we do yeah. into the movies all the time.
1: Uh, but, you know, people are getting tired of atom bombs. We have to raise the stakes as they say, uh, at the writer's table,
2: well this just this also came out like right after the rock, so you know, yeah. shooting a rocket full of poison was was in vogue at the time.
1: I'm a beetle maniac <laughs> There's so much to um, take away from this film. Bill, should we start with our segment? What's under the mask?
0: Yeah, I think we should declassify some of this information. Rob,
1: enter your shield ID now. Boop, be- bop, six, nine, six, nine, six. Boom. You're in. All right. This is where we discuss any of the fun, shocking facts, trivia that we might have discovered while scouring archive.org or any other databases on the internet. Um, One thing I think is fun, and it's a callback to a previous episode we had with Mr. Joe Young. As we learned in our Baywatch Nights episode, when Joe provided us with a bit of a trivia game, um, Hasselhoff, this this of course being his first Marvel uh, excursion, his first toe-dipping experience, uh, but he did come back into another Marvel movie, Guardians of the Galaxy, where he actually played himself. Found that to be very interesting. Hey,
0: it says something. He's a two-timer, man. You know, and not in the way you normally hear that. He's a two-time Marvel movie. <laughs> <at least. laughs> that's, that's awesome. That's one of those things that I, I'm always a little leery of when you, somebody who has been in something previously, like Chris Evans played Johnny Storm. And then went to play Captain America. Not that oh yeah, those are the oh. same as what we're talking about here. But give him credit, you know, he hit two different movies with two different super teams, so not a bad love thing. it, not a bad yeah. thing.
1: Bill, did you have any interesting facts? We can uh, just go round robin.
0: Uh, yeah, I did. I find it interesting that they were really banking on this movie a good bit. Uh, Hasselhoff was signed to do at least five additional. TV movies of Nick Fury after this one. They really thought this was going to be, if not a TV series, a series of highly successful telefilms. And they were kind of hoping it would take off. And unfortunately, it didn't quite hit the numbers that they wanted to. And I will honestly tell you, from thinking back to the time, it was pure luck that I saw this movie. It was not marketed well. It wasn't anything in, that you would have seen in the guides. It didn't show up in any of the trades or anything that or anything you would see on the stands or anything. It just it just showed up one night and I just happened to see it. So it's kind of sad because I weep for the Nick Fury sequels that we could have got as he went after the defrosted Baron Von Strucker and his clearly insane daughter.
2: Uh, it would Look. have been so fun. They, they never wrote this up in Wizard Magazine or anything.
0: If they did, I didn't know because I, I, because back then those things were expensive and you didn't get all of those. I, I would like to go to the Internet Archive and see if Starlog did any kind of press for this because whatever ratings it got, I guarantee it was me and those nerds who would have looked it up and watched yeah. it because I think this could have really been something. It was so over the top. I mean, there's kind of an Austin Powers vibe at this. It might have carried it through back in the day. And if they could have really got this off the ground, especially with Hasselhoff and his scene change. Well,
1: and this is the same year, right? The first Austin Powers came out? Maybe the year after? It
2: should that sounds right.
1: Yeah, it should be right in that time frame. Uh, Joe, any fun facts that you discovered about this movie?
2: Okay, so the director of this movie is George T. Miller, uh-huh. not to be confused with the other George Miller, this guy is also Australian, somehow. Hmm. But the, the the year before this, he directed another over the top, Wait, over the top.
1: I don't girl. want you to. I don't want you to feel awkward, Joe. But I thought this was directed by Rod
2: Hardy. Oh shit! You're right. Damn it. I'm extremely embarrassed right now. Do
0: not tell him that you did this if you go to his meet and
1: greet at some Comic-Con somewhere.
0: Don't lead with this story.
2: No.
1: You're not going to get an autograph on an 8x10 B&W headshot.
2: Very bizarre. How did I end up on this bit of information?
1: I don't know, but I would like to know what you were going
2: to say. Can we just use that as your trivia? (laughs) Sure, why not? This guy who is associated with... uh, what was his name, the director of this? Rod something? Yeah, sure. Uh, he uh, he directed Zeus and Roxanne the year before this. <laughs> which I don't know if you guys remember that movie, but it was about a dog and a dolphin become good oh, friends, yeah. starring Steve Gutenberg. Oh, God. Oh, the, goot. the Goot. The
1: Goot. The Goot, baby. Oh, hail the Goot. Oof. So here here's something I found in the uh, trivia section of IMDb. And it it can't be real. This this has to be something someone just wrote in there because it starts with the Hoff, and I'm just like, who wrote this? But it says the Hoff didn't want to wear an eye patch, and that ultimately he succumbed to wearing the eye patch because on the first day of filming he showed up and had pink eye in one of his eyes. Now. What? <laughs> The timing of that seems very on the nose. And then I also thought, like, maybe I'm living in a bubble. But when was the last time you ever heard of an adult or anyone at that matter who had pink eye? (laughs) Of course, the letters are going to come in and everyone has pink eye every other week. But the
2: adults who have pink eye league is going to blow you up, man. Well, yeah.
0: that's okay, because this is not a WebMD-sponsored podcast, so
1: we are good to go. I don't have well, I mean, all of the millennials who've been eating ass will be <laughs> knocking at my door. I get pink yeah. Eye every week, because that's how sexually active I am.
2: I regret to inform you about Piloting Air is sponsored by WebMD.
1: Oh. <laughs> oh, man. Bill, what else do you got for us?
0: I found out that the budget for this movie was six million dollars and at the Holy time shit. in 1998 Huge. one of the largest ever that fox put out for any kind of movie and it goes back to showing the course they were banking on this and i think they might have had some good reason because i found some interviews with hasselhoff right around uh, sam jackson's debut as nick fury in the mcu and according to hoff he had the blessing of Avi Arad and Stan Lee—they called him, according to own words the ultimate Nick Fury. That he, wow. they loved his swagger, they loved his portrayal, and I think that might dispute the whole eye patch thing because I have—I can't see him balking at the eye patch, knowing that he's got to wear it. That he
1: was in Baywatch Nights, yeah, he, he'll wear an eye patch. Yeah, he'll
0: anywhere. He'll wear. it. He would have worn it anywhere they told him <laughs> to. He probably would have worn it in the middle of his forehead if he had to. That would have been great. Yeah, but he. He actually was very upset that this didn't go the way that he wanted to and has been vocal over the years as wanting to give Nick Fury another shot if he could, which <sighs> I don't think that's ever going to happen in any way, shape, or form.
2: Yeah, not possible anymore. No,
1: not possible anymore. Oh, I mean, they did one what-if cartoon on Disney, which was awesome. That's I'm true. waiting for the days where they do a whole what-if phase one well they
0: just they just brought all the spider-men back together so yeah dc's
1: doing it as as a money grab so
0: why not open that multiverse and give us our leather daddy nick fury one more time why not
1: Uh. (laughs) and our leather mommy lisa renna what is the deal
0: like did she go to a special quartermaster to get her custom low-cut flight suit that she's wearing in that episode
1: well, Bill, this might be the perfect time to move on to our next segment called "Suit Up." Today, yeah. Let's go
0: with our guest, Joe. Joe, was there anything about this movie about the look of it or execution of it that jumped out to you on your watch?
2: Yeah, he. Uh, <laughs> the costuming was pretty damn spot on. Like the weird, the weird German. Uh, uh, <laughs> Baron von Strickland's daughter, <laughs> whose name I will not try to pronounce. Viper. All, Vi- yes, Viper. Yeah, spot on for a villain. Hasselhoff. That is like the quintessential being a spy in the 1990s and also <laughs> a superhero like outfit. He just he looks good. He just looks so good. Yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: their their walk to camera scene when they're getting ready to take off for their big mission is, wow, it is the stuff of legend as they go down that hallway. It is just, it just, just, they dropped it right in the movie. It is no lead up. It's almost like you just suddenly watch another five seconds of another movie and then come back to this movie.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) Um, I kind of am with you, Joe. The only thing I'll add on that is that like everything looked real. Even like the floating yeah. aircraft carrier, yeah, it kind of looked like PlayStation Two graphics, but it looked sure. it, but it fit looked good. What was going in this movie? Like it's, it's one of those things where it's like something can look bad, but if everything is the same level of bad, then it's accepted, you know. And yeah. I felt like their clothing was great. Um, they had kind of the X Men leather effect. Yeah, but. You know, they were spies and they had to have, you know, protective clothing and the soldiers wore fatigues and the businessmen wore suits, you know, (laughs) like it all worked.
2: Oh, also, I don't know if they're in the comics in any capacity. Maybe Bill could speak to this, but the like guys that are like painted white with sunglasses wearing suits, that was was creepy. It, It It reminded me of that show Fringe kind of. I was trying to
0: put my finger on it, and I just couldn't figure out what was a good analogy for it. It was kind of like, I don't know, Daft Punk meets the Blue Man Group meets the Robert Palmer video. (laughs) Except instead of the girls, you've got these dudes. I don't really know what they're supposed to be. I don't recall them from the comics. Mostly Hydra. Their minions run around in these kind of weird green and yellow jumpsuits which were very comic booky which i guess they would have vetoed immediately so the fact that the half of them are dressed like swat team members with leg stockings pulled over their face probably maybe because they only had three extras and they just didn't want you to visually identify him
1: (laughs) as he came on i'll tell you this they used to look good to me but now (laughs) i find them simply irresistible simply unsettling is what they were i'm like are these dudes dead
0: Are they zombies? Are they just really in need of some melanin in this trip to the Cancun beach? (laughs) What is? Are they robots? What were they? There was no real explanation for any of that. And they they really (laughs) kind of threw me off in this movie, which is supposed to be over the top. They were just a little too over the top. Although, yes, Rob, you're right. They're spectacularly dressed.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What do you got, Bill? Uh, the This
0: film is great. It really pulls from the source material. It's not 100% accurate, and that's fine. But all the characters are characters in the books. Uh, a lot of the characters like uh, Dum-Dum Dugan and Gabriel are Nick's old supposed to be Nick's old unit from World War II. So mm-hmm. they're played as different people. And Dum-Dum Dugan is supposed to be like six foot tall with a bowler hat and a big red mustache. Kind of like Popeye meets Sheamus from the WWE <laughs> kind of look about him. But that's okay, because the characters are there. And and every one of them, Viper, Baron Von Strucker, Helicarrier, Pierce, Bishop, they're all there. And so it's great that they just went, look, we're just going to make a 90-minute episode of this comic. It's a spy version, heavy on the tech. Let's go. And they they did great. They did a really good job with what they had. Yeah, we get a f- couple of scenes of you know warehouse setup that's used for three or four different bases, which is kind of strange. And even Clay Quartermain at the beginning of this show is a character from the from the book, but he's used a little weird here. He's got a bit of an exposition problem, I think, when he first hmm. comes on screen, where he just starts talking to this lowly private as if he it doesn't see what's going on around him, so he has to describe everything he's looking at. There's the Mad Baron frozen in his coffin, and aren't we glad...
2: Just, yeah, last of the last of the uh, universal boogeymen. Yeah, yeah. Them.
0: last of the great expositionists when he takes a bullet to the gut.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then
0: for some reason, as they storm the base, which can either of you people explain to me why they never secure the dare ducting system in secret bases? Why isn't there some kind of alarm or any kind of fail safe for any of that?
1: They always just throw
0: that big old bomb of gas in there and it takes out everybody.
1: They were too focused on trying to make sure that everything was done in Greenwich Mean Time. Yeah, I yeah.
0: Think so, and then he, you know, and then they they hit the base, which is great. I mean, you get this movie starts with action. I love the drumming score as they fly over and head out for Trinity Base. It, it really hits fast. There's helicopters coming in. There's troops coming in, and then there's Clay at there. And when he comes up off the, to do his last stand, I'm like. You couldn't find a machine gun on your way to take out some bad guys. You got to just do that with your handgun, huh? Okay. <laughs> but his "Let us that let us rock and let us roll" cry of death is just fantastic. So, I I love it. I love the whole the whole look of it. Except the only thing I really just can't forgive about this movie is just that bit with with the dudes in the white the the weird zombie guys. I no get take that away movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Release the Bill Tilly cut. Yeah. yeah,
1: no kidding. Um, I would watch any Marvel movie that was like Bill, I don't think you're the director. I think you're like the the person who gives the green light. So if anyone comes to you with anything else like, we're thinking of changing the script to this.
0: Eh, oh no. I want that buzzer job so bad. I would love to sit <laughs> in a room
1: all day long
0: and just have people come in and say those things and me just say no. Yes. <laughs> No, stop.
1: (laughs) So now's the time where we move on to the next segment, hero or villain. We pick one hero, we pick one villain for the movie. Joe, you can go last so that you can use what Bill and I inform you of to maybe help (laughs) with your decision. Um, Bill, why don't you go first with give me your hero, then give me your villain.
0: My hero is the hero of this movie for me. It is Hasselhoff all the way. He wow. is the linchpin that gets this thing off the ground. Now, I'm going to say there are sure there are a lot of other actors I'm sure that could have played this part and could have probably done it better when you get down to it. But he's the one we got. And honestly, he's got the look. He's tall. He's good looking. He's athletic. He visually looks a lot like the Nick Fury from the comic books. Once you see it, I, it's one of those things where, of course, he's been other things. And I, when you see his name come up on screen, you're kind of an automatic, like, oh, no. But <laughs> then, oh, yeah, he does look like Nick Fury. So he chews it up. He he overacts in some places really hard. And I know that's oh, yeah. not saying a lot when you say that about David Hasselhoff. And the only other thing that I wish somebody had done was to have cut all of his running scenes out of the movie because i love the man but unless you put him in slow motion he runs like my crazy cat across the floor <laughs> he's got a real kind of herky jerky way about him when he gets excited to where his movements become really kind of stiff and animated. he's a lanky man he is and i'm watching this movie last night with that cat in the room and that cat's watching it and every time the cat moved his head hasselhoff moved his head and i was like oh yeah i was right about this but he carries it, he puts his all into it, and he gives us a real comic bookie, but yet believable for him and this movie performance, so he is definitely my hero. And who's your villain? Oh, well, that's going to be Tom McBeath as General Jack Pincer. Good Oof. God, do I hate this man and this character. <laughs> they have got to do the trope, of course, of the somewhere above him boss who is just not a real person in real life. These just aren't people you meet. He has an entourage of four of which I like, like one old guy and a couple of young people who apparently are just sewn to his suit and follow him around and just nod when he nods and move when he moves. But he is just, he's too over the top in a movie that is completely over the top, but his acting is just screaming at camera and just like he went out of his way to just be obnoxious and annoying at every turn and instead of being you know somebody who could have been just believed that they were right about what they were doing he has to be kind of the villain amongst the good guy organization the authority figure that nick has to rebel against no matter what but they just i could have done with about 25 percent of him in this movie every time he comes on screen <laughs> He just takes me out of it just like anything else and almost he could almost just look to camera and just grin and it would be less intrusive than what his acting is so he just needs to go away.
1: Well, Pop Quiz, did you like him better in this or in Alien versus Aliens versus Predator Requiem?
0: Oh, well, it's to say that you like anything about Aliens versus Predator Requiem <laughs> is almost heresy, Rob, but
1: True. Okay. <laughs> Well, moving on, then, I'll tell you that my hero was Lisa Rena, mainly because of what we talked about before, that like she is like a real person in this in a very unreal movie. Uh, but she her approach was very comic booky. like her line delivery was such like a like, it was a different time. We loved each other, but love goes away. You know, that sort of thing. Like it was so over the top that it felt real in comparison to Housewives, where everything feels calculated and scripted and everything's at a high drama moment. Uh, my villain is honestly the whole Von Strucker family because they were too villainous. Like they like obviously they took all of their <laughs> Accent class, I'm assuming that all of their accents came from like Looney Tunes commercial or cartoons, Looney Tunes <laughs> cartoons. What
0: were they supposed to be? What I, were those accents?
1: It was very Boris and Natasha. Yeah. Let's just put it that way.
0: I almost wish that they had just said they come from bad guy
1: <laughs> or wherever. Where's Dr. Doom from?
0: Latveria. Yeah, yeah
1: Latveria. Might as well me. have been Latverian. Sure. I would have bought it that way. Uh, what about you, Joe? Who's your hero? Who's your villain?
2: <sighs> well, you know, the main hero for me is obviously Hasselhoff. But I got my second hero of this is Ron Canada as Gabriel. Oh, Jones. yes. Ron Canada is just such a fucking phenomenal actor. Anything that he's in, he he's just he's fantastic. I love to I love to watch him and I love to listen to him talk.
1: He is wonderful. He's. Brilliant. I have to. I, I co-signed that one. You really buy Ron
0: Canada in his role in this movie as the yeah. scientist guy. He everything he does, spot on. Not too much gravitas, just matter of fact, but with real sincerity in the role. Yes. You really want him to be the guy in charge of your well being. If you're going to be out here firing bullets that have electric blowback, if you're handling a <laughs> gun wrong, you want him on your side.
1: Oh man. I am right there with you guys because Ron Canada just brings a gravitas that you would think couldn't match Hasselhoff, but it does.
2: Good balance. Um, has he been in any other MCU movies? I feel like he has.
1: I'm going to Google it real quick while Joe, you tell us your villain.
2: Villain, obviously, Sandra Hess is Andrea Van Strucker slash Viper. The way she just absolutely <laughs> fools his ass. She's like <laughs> like hey we got to go over here so that I can tell you something and he falls for it. It's so yeah. villainous and mean and just evil.
0: Well, great. this the is a woman. Yeah, I mean this is a woman who clearly has an orgasm when she shoots somebody cold-blooded <laughs> in the middle of their bad guy Zoom meeting. So watching them this movie once again, you know, they they pre- they they predict Zoom. This is great, although I really think we should have alphanumeric scrolling boards under us as we do these just like their lieutenants did that would be awesome but joe did you just love the fact that they gave her that giant red coke nail on the one finger
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> like that's not going to give it away as in, and she's in disguise as inspector runster you think that's part of like interpoles didn't have a problem with your giant four and a half <laughs> inch long red pinky nail that you got going on there Viper? good
2: gravy it yeah
0: is madness but she does have a great laugh walk away from camera. It is just something to behold. If you don't watch this movie for anything else, watch just anything she's in and just marvel at her laugh. She had to practice that somewhere I, in, in a dark room in front of a full-length mirror.
2: I, that's all I can think. I, I, I think people should watch this. Yeah. I mean, I watched it twice, and I I did not hate it either time.
1: I, I also watched it twice. Once with Bill on his wedding weekend and we which pretty much forced me to actually have to watch it again because we wouldn't stop like cracking jokes the whole time. Yeah. But this leads us into the it's the perfect segue to our next segment, our second to last segment, if you guys can believe it. Splash panel. If you had to show a scene of this film to someone to get them to watch the movie. Which scene from the movie do you show them,
2: Joe? Ooh. Uh, it's got to be the showdown with Von Strucker where he, uh, he fools her with the life decoy model or whatever. <laughs> it's an LDM, right? Where he fools her and she looks up and he's just sitting on a giant cog And he (laughs) (laughs) looks at her and explains what's going on.
1: Oh, that's so good. What about you, Bill?
0: Joe got mine. We're in total agreement. I think the fight scene is great. It really is his moment to shine, even though technically it's not Nick Fury doing the fighting. The only thing I would do is I would take a small bit of artistic license and I would splice in the part where he looks up and the helicarrier comes over top because I think that would be the perfect mix of action especially when you're watching David Hasselhoff fight a 107 pound blonde who is clearly giving him the business in this (laughs) clip and then have a giant floating aircraft carrier on four giant hair dryers circling over about to send down your strike rescue force. Yeah. I'm I'm not going to have a hard time picking that movie up off the VHS rack and walking right up to the counter and renting it.
1: Guys. It's so interesting that you both have that same scene because ever since the first time, I watched this movie on Bill's wedding weekend with Bill in his living room. Uh, he had more important things to be doing, but for some reason we put this on. I don't know. Uh, wait, did we watch this the day of your wedding?
0: Uh, yeah, we were killing time before we actually <laughs> went got off it. to go get married.
1: No, it wasn't killing time. It was very important that we went through. Hey. There was two important things to do that day, and one was watching Nick Fury. Honestly,
0: if you're about to get married, I, I recommend it. Put on Nick Fury, yeah. Agent of Shield, before your wedding. It'll really help you handle it.
1: That's true. That's true. Oh, yeah. um, since that day, I was like, all Bill needed to do to get me to watch this movie. Of course, I'll watch anything Bill suggests. But is the life decoy scene when they show it for the first time? Like to me, it's like the whole like we're in Shield. He's just shot a gun in an elevator <laughs> to unlock the door, and that's. Security, okay, great. You can come on through. Um, and then they're like, look at all these cool gadgets we have. Like this robot of you that we just had, even though you only just agreed to come yeah. uh, back to S.H.I.E.L.D. That's my thinking it too, Rob.
2: Job.
0: Why are yeah. you building a robot of your boss who's been gone for five years? This is the question I would be asking if I was Nick Fury.
1: Yeah, it was awesome. I very much love it, and I think it lets you know exactly what this movie is. Um, But speaking of what this movie is and what this movie isn't, is it good? What are our final thoughts? Let's head over (laughs) to the Marvel mailbag. Bill, you generally have a lot of strong feelings for things that you have held close to your heart. So I want you to go last on this one. I think you'll be able to cap us off with some of the things Joe and I will say. Joe, I will go first, and you'll get sandwiched right in the middle of this PB&J sandwich. Um, I'm going to keep it short and sweet, guys. More
2: like, more like an RB&J sandwich. Wow. Trademark. We got the meats.
1: Guys, I'm so happy we ended this series with this film. Um, there have been hits, misses, but every episode has been fun. And like we stated earlier in this episode, there's going to be, def- there's going to have to be a, like, before the MCU part two, a groovy universe, truly, um, or a only 90s, or an only 80s Marvel series. But Bill and I, you know, hunted and pecked at like what is kind of the broad strokes of pre-Marvel, like what really like built upon the next thing in no particular order to create the MCU. And this coming at the end is great because I could see in a different world us holding off and putting like Blade as our final movie or Howard the Duck Or one of these other, like, more talked about films. But the fact that, like, I think there's a strong amount of people out there who do not even know this film exists. And I think it is an important Marvel film for everything we've said earlier, but also the fact that Fox was able to give out $6 million, which is not much money in grand movie making terms but huge money for a television show pilot essentially made for tv movie with big names like these are big names for the time and yeah for tv and they did it well they told a nick fury spy movie story without taking that many liberties away from the comic which at the time A lot of things were like, oh, that's silly in the comic book. Let's change it to this instead. You know, biological web shooters and all of that um, mere years later. But I liked this. I think it was fun. And, you know, what we like to do at the tail end of our mailbags is give our hammer time, which is, is the film worthy of the superhero it's about. Does it lift the hammer high or drop the hammer of our expectations? And this movie lifts that hammer, I think. Joe, how about you?
2: It's like perfectly tongue-in-cheek. It's it it's like winking at the audience in such a fun way. I very much enjoyed it. I was surprised as much as I enjoyed it because, <laughs> boy, oh boy. A lot of the TV pilots that I have watched are... It's just absolutely rottenness. But it's just fun. The plot is fun. The idea that Nick Fury would get suckered into being poisoned with tree frog poison (laughs) and and be running this fever the entire... Just like, no, there's no cure. There's no cure. Wait, unless she's immune. We've got to get her blood. Yes. And then just... that. Her, her her father is frozen and they're just keeping the body in a big tube that leads what to the center of the earth like where, where does that tube lead to don't know that they escape at the end you
1: don't need to some things you just don't need to know
2: Joe well he he says he says she's halfway to China by now it's like what? that is like, a, like oh. a very
1: 1960s I've dug a hole joke
2: yeah exactly yeah especially but. since
0: that the elevator can only be like eight feet away from him at that point like he could have jumped in there and still got her
2: yeah the no way it's oh, yeah. that fast. Oh. The, uh, i also i love the running gag of him just shooting open doors <laughs> <laughs> and then it finally doesn't work at the end uh, How how many God. of us have
0: not wanted to do that when we're stuck somewhere just we've seen it a thousand times Oh, boy. I'm not advocating that, audience. Please don't go to your work tomorrow. (laughs) Pull out a Glock and take out your elevator because it's not moving fast enough. I am not telling you to do that.
1: No. But, Joe, (gasps) do you think this is worthy of lifting Majulner?
2: I think so. I think that it's a lot of fun. I think that it's worthy of Nick Fury. Definitely, I, I recommend people watch it.
1: Yeah, that's, and that's all you want out of a movie, you know? Yeah. What are we watching these things for, right? Uh, Bill, bring it on, baby.
0: I am so glad that we ended this series with this movie. It was very important to me that this is how we ended with, because I will just tell you in this series, pre-Marvel, pre-MCU, or MCU, put them all together, and the Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. movie is at the top of all Of my marvel movie experiences new or old it was great when i saw it it's great now and i've seen a lot of the reviews that came out back then things they'll say now it's cheesy you know it has its slow moments well of course it's cheesy it's based on the comic book they're supposed to be that way but this movie goes to the core of why rob and i are doing this show in the first place it's that any movie even a bad movie can be fun if you share it with your friends and is it bad because it's bad and nobody gave a crap or is it people giving that they're all. And that's one of the, these movie is these people clearly put a lot of effort into it. Nobody set out to make a bad movie on Nick Fury. And in my opinion, they didn't the things that they tried it for. There are people that'll say, Oh, there's moments where it moves too slow. Watch a James Bond movie. Is he shooting people every five minutes in those two hour movies? No,
2: only, moly, over two hours, two, yeah. two hours, 45 minutes.
0: No. Yeah, they're set up amongst those things. He has dialogues, you meet the characters, you learn about every one of these people in this 90-minute movie in a way that you sometimes don't, in 28 hours worth of Marvel movies made today, or in the case of like a Doctor Strange, which is a prime example of straying too far from the source material, you don't learn much of anything at all. It's just a little bit weird, so... I think this movie is great. I I just love it. I've seen the Nick Fury movie. I've read the books. It's very true to those things. And it's a great it's a great representation of that character. Everything can be done better. Everything can be done differently with different actors. You could have a more realistic take. And I think that's kind of what we get with Sam Jackson on screen. But at the end of the day, this is what you built your Dynasty on is Nick Fury's an over the top super spy who chomps cigars, loves his liquor, runs around in flying cars, and fights weird ex Nazi super scientist madmen. Of course, it's cheesy and it's fun. It is a ton of fun. And I will recommend this movie to anybody who wants to have a fun 90 minutes of Marvel action and just enjoy a movie that shows you how much fun a comic book movie can be. So this movie takes Mjolnir and doesn't just lift it. It flings it all the way up to that (laughs) helicarrier and right on
1: past it. Hell yeah. Here's the thing, Joe. Usually when we have a guest, Bill and I say, see you later, we'll record the credits afterwards. But what I would like to do is keep you on for our credits and everything because afterwards... Bill and I are going to announce what our next series is, and I want your reaction on that. If you if you don't mind sticking around, oh shit. Absolutely. Okay. So before we get to the actual thank yous, Bill, I want to remind everyone that the biggest thing they can do as an audience member is to send this podcast to a friend. Let them know that this is a lot of fun and then to subscribe. Because without that. We would be nothing. We'd like to thank our friends for listening to another series of this. Uh, They could also join our Discord. Links to that in the description. But there is also the Discord link in our Gumroad site, which is where you can give a one-time donation to help keep the lights on at this podcast. You can leave us a voicemail. Link's in there, too. You can also, you know, just say, what up? And tweeted us at all of our various social media accounts, which can also be found in the show description. Now, Bill, who should we say thank you to?
0: We should say thank you to our support team that we have. If we are the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they are as well. When it comes to this podcast, we'd like to thank Jothan for his amazing show art that we have. And we are able to share with all of you. It's great. I love it. I love it every time I see it. I thank Patrick for doing his editing duties, for getting in there and fighting through our audio and making us sound like me, the non-professional, and Rob, the actual professional that he is. (laughs) Sounds great every week. Thank you so much. Uh, we'd like to thank Draxium and Dr. Z for our amazing tunes that are played for this show and our interstitials. It really makes the show come alive and we can't thank you enough. Please check out their independent projects. They have band camps. Go out and search for them. They do great work. And we I also, got the links in the show
1: notes. Yes.
0: And we'd also like to thank the Contessa of our team, <laughs> if you will, the incomparable <laughs> Mrs. Columbo, who QA's our episodes. She checks us and make sure that Rob and I don't do anything that will get us put in a tube and frozen with our eyes open
1: for yeah, some reason.
0: <laughs> and have us be itchy and dry for the rest of eternity. <laughs> so we thank her very much for that. Keep us out of that tube, Mrs. Columbo. I, we For sure.
1: That. Now, the moment everyone's been waiting for. We've done all of the Predator films, Bill. We've done our offhand in between season episodes before the mcu which hey we're gonna do that again we gotta give ourselves time to like we're not just gonna go bam 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 there's a little break in between seasons with some extra little flair um but i won't delay any longer i've made jokes about it in the past people didn't know if i was being honest or not but get this joe Bill and I have decided to watch all of the Planet of the Apes films chronologically.
2: Holy smokes.
1: Yes. Now, I think that we need to watch the newer Planet of the Apes movies first. So that, like, they say how it all happened. And then jump to Charlton Heston, you know, get your hands off me, you damn dirty ape. That series. So that we can fully understand chronologically, much like Predator, how uh, our planet became so full of these wise cracking apes, you know? Now, the question I have for you, though, is where do we watch Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes?
2: Oh, man. First? Do you watch it first? You might watch it first.
1: Ooh. Because that could inform... Like it would be a standalone. It would be like
2: yeah, yeah. It's it's a, such a train wreck, and I will tell you. I don't know. I don't know if I've ever told you this story, Rob. I saw that movie in the theater at midnight on opening night. <laughs> and at the end of the
1: movie, don't tell Bill. Don't don't tell, tell him what it is because oh, he hasn't seen oh, it yet.
0: Oh no, I've oh, seen. Well, oh, you story. have seen
2: that one. i thought seen, you have oh, okay. I've seen most of that movie. Okay. Oh, I don't know if I can spoil this then. No,
0: you can't spoil any of the movies we watch, Joe. It has no impact on it whatsoever.
1: <laughs> Joe, I know okay, what you're so, talking about, but yes. Uh...
2: So at the at the very end, there, Mark Wahlberg crash lands, and a guy in the theater, it, it's showing the shot from behind Abraham Lincoln at the Lincoln uh-huh, Memorial,
1: uh-huh.
2: and this guy in the theater yells out, "I swear to God." if that guy has a monkey face, I am out of here. <laughs> and it pans around, and that guy just goes, fuck this, and walks out of the theater. I mean, the movie was basically over, but
1: yeah. Damn, oh, oh my God. That is awesome. I'm going to carry that with me to the end of my days. And I just say, I'll never get really an option to ever say this story, ever. But one of the best, and this is secondhand, but... Uh, I was going to go to a Dave Matthews concert my senior year of high school, and a TA I was friends with was like, I love Dave Matthews, but here's the best Dave Matthews story I've ever had. And I don't, I could care less about Dave Matthews these days. That's not the point of this story. But uh, he was at a Dave Matthews show, and they're in one of their 20-minute jam sessions, and some drunk guy next to this TA I know just shouts, Fuck this jam shit. I want to hear what it sounds like on the CD.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That is absolutely incredible. Wow.
1: Bill, do you have any thoughts about the ape planets before we unleash uh, on our audience?
0: Uh, No, other than I, I look forward to this. It's been a long time since I've seen the latter ones. So it'll be fun to revisit the 60s.
1: Well, Joe, why don't you tell us about piloting error and uh, not that anyone in our audience doesn't already know, but just so they can make sure to go give it a listen. Do you have anything planned? At this point, you guys just ended your, what, third season?
2: Uh, second season. Okay. We, we release very slowly. <laughs> we release once a month, basically. Um, yeah, it's, you know, forgotten TV pilots that never got picked up. The last episode that we did was for uh, Elvira, the Ooh. Elvira TV pilot, which I kind of got convinced to like <laughs> by our our guest Miguel Myers, <laughs> who's just an absolute gem.
1: Oh, Everyone man. should
2: listen to his podcast, My Horror Confessional. It's absolutely wonderful podcast. Uh, uh, watch that. We've, uh, we're hopefully going to have Bill and Rob's on for an episode that may be related to their uh, <laughs> groovy Marvel universe.
1: Hopefully it's already out yeah. at this point. We're, we record so far in the future that if you're hearing this, everyone, you'll have probably already known that Bill and I are on there, but we're not going to tell you what it is now just in case. No, no. Well, Joe, thanks again for joining us. And thank you, audience, for listening through our incredible second season. Bill, it's been wonderful. Thanks again, buddy, for doing this podcast with me.
0: Thank you for offering it to me, Rob. It's great. I love watching these movies and then getting together with you to talk about them. And that's what everyone who listens to this. And Piloting Air, which actually your Doctor Strange episode was a big reason for wanting to to push to do these kind of movies, you guys do a great job over there. I listen to your shows and I really well, enjoy you. them. They are a lot of fun, and you have sent me down a pilot TV rabbit hole on YouTube that I'm not going to crawl out of anytime soon. Thanks a lot. Oh boy, just the idea of looking at those and watching a lot of things and going, "Well, I can't e- or can't see why this didn't sell," is actually a lot of fun. So appreciate that, and yeah. it's. I I look forward to going
1: ape with you, Robs. I can't wait. It's going to be a little bit, (laughs) well, we're just going to monkey around. Anyway, (laughs) on that note, I, I will talk to everyone on the next episode of Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure. Goodbye. Bye.
2: Bye, everybody.